From GrooveU Studios in Columbus, Ohio, this is Getting the Brand Back Together, a podcast exploring the interdisciplinary art of banding, branding, and business building. Rock and roll relic, poet, writer, and brandist, I'm your host, Brad Cerconi. Today, we're joined by Nino Servi, the CEO and partner of Progressive Flooring and Services. Welcome to the show, Nino. Thank you, Brad. Glad to be here. Yes, glad to have you. Just for full disclosures to our listeners, Nino and I have been doing business together. We just calculated it for about 10 years. Uh, We were introduced by another gentleman, James Rores, and we've been supplying and working together in business growth and development, and we're supplying services such as Marcom and branding to Progressive Flooring and Services. So we're going to dive right in. And and a few things that I wanted to talk about, if you could, Nino, is to just frame up the company's history. uh, The the company is celebrating 42 years. Correct. Right? And if you could, because there's a great story about the original founder, you know, uh, putting, installing floors and sleeping in his van. Correct. (laughs) Right. So why don't you give them an overview of, first of all, what Progressive Flooring and Services does, and then uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the company and how you got involved, you personally. Progressive Flooring is a commercial flooring and services installation firm that was first established in June of 1978 by Richard A. South. Him and another individual started performing flooring installations for, at that time, Village Inns, which was a Mm. concept of General Mills. And that continued until the spinoff of um, General Mills, and they they started another concept, Red Lobster. Mm -hmm. And from Red Lobster, that spinoff became Darden Restaurants and then Darden Restaurants. Who who, who we serve today, correct? That is correct. And Darden continually added more and more brands to include Olive Garden, Longhorn, Seasons 52, and Most of the world. (laughs) So that is our legacy client that we still have to this day. We handle all of their flooring across the country. And and a lot of what we have put together has been built to support that type of large national brand, whether it's repairs, replacements, new builds, you know, remodel projects. Rich started out with Borrowed $1,000 from his parents, bought an old bread truck, and that's what he started that's traveling. That's what the story is. It's a bread truck. That's yep. such a great story. An old story. bread truck. Um, and traveled the country in the bread, bread truck and flooring and, and went from one job to the next. Installing it. Correct. Amazing. So a few things that you said there. One of the things I know is important to your brand is the way that we install, the way that Progressive Flooring and Services installs, and you know why we're actually selected to do those kind of installs. And you'll, you'll hear me say we and the brand because it's been so long uh, that we've been working together. Obviously, uh, we sometimes feel that we're living the brand side by side with our clients. So if you could, there's a phrase that you use in your brand, this idea of craftsman, craftsmanship. Correct. That sets you apart from anybody else who might be doing what I'm going to call more commoditized installs. As part of the brand, why don't you explain to the listeners why it was important for you to differentiate on that point of craftsmanship and calling them master craftsmen if they're going to work under the progressive badge? That's correct. 
We have tailored our operations to meet the needs of our client, and that starts first with our installation, the quality, and the master craftsman. And it's important for us to be able to provide consistent installations, quality installations, and to be prepared to take on new services to deal with different types of challenges, whether it's an emergency response or it's a pre-planned scheduled replacement or a repair that we're really not sure what we're going to get into. And that's why the type of individuals you have working for you need to be a master at what they do. And we're always seeking out developing new you know, labor resources, employees, as well as independent contractors that we find, you know, throughout the country. Right. And right now we're working on a microsite to do just that. Correct. Right. So we can keep that breed of expertise at a certain level that our clients expect. That's correct. And it's even more challenging today than it was before. Yeah. So I was going to bring this up to you. When we were at the photo shoot for uh, you guys, for the hospital out there in Lancaster, I went into Panera. There's a big sign on the door that says, if you come in, you must be patient <laughs> because we don't have any employees right now. So, so tell the world, especially in your industry, in the flooring installation industry, why this is such a big deal in human resources. Oh, it, it's extremely challenging and it has all of us concerned and our client managers very concerned about our clients being upset. And I have to keep reminding them that you have to be patient. They need to be patient. Keep reminding yourself they're having the same problem that we are having. And that is one of the benefits having this long relationship with most of our clients. I mean, they have that trust and we may not get to it immediately as soon as they would like, because now they want to get as much that they possibly can done as quickly as they can. Right. Because now they're making up for lost time. Correct. But you know, hopefully they will all be patient, just like they expect their customers to be patient. And like the sign read to me. It's just a matter of time before everything will catch up and return to normal. Right, right. With that being said, do you think that it is harder for some industries? Because I also know that you serve as a brand, hospitality industry, healthcare, education, entertainment. Uh, you do a lot of work with, say, uh, AMC. Same kind of thing. That's not just happening in our industry. You're saying for nearly every industry in America, it's been affected by COVID and things like this trying to come out of it as far as labor. That's correct. And if it's not labor, then it's materials right closely behind it. So we, we have seen a lot of projects get delayed because they haven't been able to get a sufficient amount of materials. Right. And then combine that with the labor. So it's extremely challenging right now to just be able to plan and predict how much manpower you're going to need and where. and Which like, goes into the quote, right? Which goes into you winning the bid or not if you don't have a longstanding legacy relationship and you're not a shoe in if you're not grandfathered in because the relationship is so prime. But I know you guys are out earning new business all the time on a national level. Uh, earning businesses. And so those all affect quotes. And it's very hard, right, to even get down to the quote when you don't know labor costs or labor avails. That's correct. And just the material cost alone, most suppliers are only giving you like a seven to 10 day hold on that pricing. Yet the client can't tell you when the project's going to be done, which could be months or later. So how do you predict what your pricing is going to be at the time you get the contract and you're ready to start? So just about every aspect of doing work currently is a huge challenge. It is. 
we we haven't really spoke this directly about that, but you're right. It's like everything in your process to get a firm quote to somebody. And I know how ethical and transparent you guys like to be. It's like a shell game because you don't know. That's all variables. There's no constant. That's correct. I'd like you to share with the audience uh, two things. And I want to talk more, a little bit more about brand. But when we talk about doing flooring installs, I had a client for many years and a friend now that owned an architectural firm. And we had just, it was in, um, uh, when we had just picked you guys up in 2011 as a client. And I said to this architect, I said, when you walk in a place, any place, where are the sight lines? He goes, that's a great question. Many people think the sight lines are up or that, or, uh, you know, straight ahead. And he said, but one of the most important sight lines for any, any experience, whether it's retail, whether it's for efficiency in a hospital or a healthcare unit, is the floor. That's the, correct. The floor is the pathway, right? And that's what people are looking at. Cleanliness, uh, how well is it done? Where do I go? It is the user experience. It's the journey of the user. You don't walk on the ceiling, the architect said to me. You walk on the floor. That's correct. There's nothing that finishes a project that signifies going from construction to finish more than the flooring. Why do you say that? Well, for one, everything that is getting done in that location ends up on the floor. It's a mess. Right. For us to do our job, the first thing we have to do is clean everything right. and clean it good before right. we can even do the floor. So once the flooring's done, that's when the general contractors, owners now tell everyone else on the site, this is now a finished project. So it signifies you know, that automatically. Exactly. Okay. I mean, and that's why they are eager to push to get the flooring contractor in because then it forces the other trades to finish up, clean up. And then once it's done, then it's just a matter of touching up, you know, loose ends. So everyone's excited, you know, once the flooring is completed. Yeah. The end is near. The end is near, right, of the project. And like you said, it signifies coming out of construction and back to business. Correct. That's actually exciting. Uh, also, tell the listeners when we talk about these various brands, again, whether it be AMC or some of the Darden restaurants that you named and, and many other uh, leaders of, of brand in various categories. But tell them about a special project that you had and tell them how many square feet of flooring that your team put in at a project that we had going on in, in Denver. Correct. You're referring to a mall project that we conducted in Littleton, Colorado at, at the end of 2014. It was a mall that was built in the early 80s. It was the last remaining indoor mall there in the Denver area. So the fact that they were even going to renovate an indoor mall instead of build an outdoor mall was a like major Easton. decision. Right. Um, and it was a two-story mall, approximately, you know, 300,000 square feet of flooring that was all ceramic. There were some smaller carpeting areas, but primarily ceramic. And what made this job especially challenging, it had three wings, but most of the construction was in the center. So we had to start at the end of the three wings and work our way into the middle. And yet everything needed to line up and... And it took us a little over a year to complete that project, but it was a major project. And that project, when people ask about the idea of the art of flooring, that's the project that I tell uh, other associates about 
because how vast it was. And the thing that everybody has to understand, we're talking about flooring, the establishments stay open. Correct. So there are shoppers in there all day and our crews are coming in, your crews, Progressive Flooring and Services, craftsmen are coming in all night long, right? That is correct. The vast majority of what we do is done during non-business hours. It's only new build projects that we have the luxury of working during the day. And that is the great word, luxury. Because that never, it really never happens. Correct. Right. Because retail is the money side. They got to make money in the day, right? So they can pay, help pay for the renovation that they're doing to create a new, a, a better customer experience. Correct. So let's talk about why 10 or 11 years ago, Nino, did you feel the need? I want you to talk a little bit about how you got involved and how you personally got involved in the company. But then once you did, why did you feel there was a need to start to create brand? I first joined the company in 1998. I was previously living in California, but from Ohio, I was friends with the, the owner of the company. They had a need. Their general manager was retiring, not to mention um, we had just started doing work for AMC theaters, doing very large projects. Um, so they wanted someone with uh, more of a construction management project controls background, which I had. So... Um, so when I arrived in 98, the company really did not have a brand identity whatsoever, much less had even probably heard of the word brand. And, and we operated that way for several years and primarily doing flooring and having a client like Darden Restaurants with their many concepts. There was plenty of work to do, but... If you're going to survive and if you're going to grow, you need to be looking ahead and you need to be looking for leads and prospects. So we needed something a little more formal with who we are, what we are, how we do it, go about doing it. And I knew the way we did things was not typical of other contractors. So we wanted to be able to share that with others and not having a background myself in you know, marketing, promotion, you know, that's when, you know, I reached out, you know, looking for help. And that's typically what I do with anything that I'm not familiar with. I mean, I look for a professional advisor or find a book or right. the internet and learn what I can and what I don't understand. And, you know, I, I go on from there. So that's why it was important. And then also at that time, working with Darden Restaurants, Primarily flooring gave us other opportunities to do paint, ceiling tile, other smaller type things that we could do since we were there. So now we're starting to do other services outside of flooring. And with a company name, Progressive Flooring, that was very confusing to prospects, especially if we're providing paint quotes or quotes in some other type of service. So that's why... You know, progressive flooring needed something else to go with the name that right, right. helped open the opportunities for us. You said a lot of great things there. Two things, though. You talked about leadership. One, when you don't know, find an expert who does. The humility of leadership, which I really respect about you. And Jamie Richardson at White Castle has the same worldview. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know how to get to know everything through exactly. other people. Exactly. <laughs> right? I always tell my... Alex and Aubrey, my two stepdaughters, I always tell them, I only know a few things, but I try to know those really well. And what I don't know, I trust others 
to help me get to know. Right. So number one, I think that's great. And your idea of always future casting, look towards the future, I think is great. Again, because uh, it's not like the company wasn't already very successful. Correct. It, it was. But you were saying, well, what brings us to the next level? And with that said, I know that the tagline of the company, which... So we presented you with a number of taglines, I think 30. And the one that I saw that lit you up the best was a tagline we had um, that you're using now called Enhancing Environments. Why did you think at the time that that tagline, where you were in building the brand and the business, why did you think that tagline would work in the future? That tagline has a lot of meaning. Some of our other options were like, do work more. Do, yes. I mean, I, I remember those simple with that, periods after each word. Exactly. Yeah. But that particular tagline, not just enhancing interior environments, right? But it also can apply to enhancing our employees, enhancing our community. The applications were endless in my mind. Also, when most people use the term industry, I oftentimes, you know, think of it as just a different type of environment, the entertainment environment, the restaurant environment, you know. So I, I just liked and the enhancing, you know, enhancing is positive from not only the companies you serve and brands, but the community at large and giving back, because I know that's important to you and the team and uh, even Mia and I have talked about how important that is to the company, this idea of giving back. And knowing your associates and the way you run Progressive Flooring and Services, it's very family and embracing, kind of like that tagline says of the brand. Right. And I think we talked about how this gives us the capability by saying enhancing environments that we could start to do other things like services, which you are already getting into. That's what I really liked about that tagline. You know, environments and enhancing involves many different things, not just flooring, even though flooring certainly enhances an interior environment, probably more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So does painting, so does ceiling tile, so does lighting, so is you know, outside work, so. Yeah, so, so give the listeners an idea. When we really say progressive flooring and services, let's take a brand that they all might know and do a visual walkthrough of A through Z. Maybe we only did it once, but take like AMC. So what are all the things that you could do in a theater? Well, and besides the flooring, yeah. we also do aisle lighting. And so those AMC aisle lights, you guys are, you do replacement when those are needed to replace and things like that? Correct. AMC was an innovator in the theater industry. I mean, we went through a period in the late 90s, early 2000, where we were building these large megaplex theaters, 24, 26, 30plex, like Easton. Right. Well, they, they realized shortly thereafter that there's more theaters there. So then they started to incorporate the McGuff's Bar, and then we're going to take a wing, and we're going to add food. And having someone like us that, can do things more than just flooring. Mm -hmm. um, so we were starting to remove menu signs um, to put up digital displays, adding kiosks. So when you walk in, you can order food, other electrical ceiling tile replacements, you know, minor seating work. So th there's not much that you don't do that we won't do. <laughs> right. You know, it's usually a licensing, 
you know, you need to have a licensed trade with electrical and plumbing. And that's typically where we have to stop. But you go right up to that line. Right. But we'll even identify the problem. Mm -hmm. And this is something we can't do. We can either find a person and hire them or you can have your local person handle it. And why do you think that's important to find the problem for the brands you're serving? Well, first of all, most of our clients do not have the time, you know, to do it themselves. They have like maybe a facility manager that's trying to cover 50, 60 different locations. Right. So having someone that they can trust to go to a site and figure out, you know, where this water's coming from right, is, is extremely valuable to them. And someone they trust and the company, the brand has trusted your brand for decades. Correct. That's great. And locally during the pandemic, I know you and I, like so many of the clients that we serve, we were all, you know, changing our business model. We, we were literally... You remember the long rights you and I would have saying, well, what do we do now? Correct. Right? Because a big part of progressive flooring and services business is entertainment, hospitality, and restaurant. All three industries that were decimated, shut down completely. Yes. So what did you do? I mean, I know because I was in there with you, at least on a communications point of view and all the PR we were trying to do and the letters we were sending out and the electronic and digital correspondence. I mean, we were posting on the site all we could to educate the world, right? And your customers. What did you do as a brand when this happened? Well, the first thing we tried to do is reach out to as many of our clients as we could. And that was extremely difficult, mostly unsuccessful. Um, so, <laughs> and why do you say that? Why do you say that? Well, one, we never got a response. They're, they weren't at their office. The phone right. number, the calls that we normally you know, would use, right. they were not available. Right. Um, a lot of them were working at home. Plus, they didn't have anything to do themselves. All the work stopped. We, we were trying to, you know, well, this is a perfect time that we can get in there and work. The client, your customers aren't there. I mean, we need work. I mean, there could be savings opportunities, but unfortunately, uh, you know, everything was shut down. And, you know, so we, we just, you know, Worked internally, kind mm -hmm. of focused on our floormat.com e-commerce brand. Which is, which is another brand that you had the vision to buy a URL and you build a brand around that called floormat.com, which is a matting and safety products brand. But there was a period of time, I'd say, I mean, everything changed March 13th. Friday, March 13th is when everything was shut down. Um, so... We finished up what was going on through April, early May, but there was not much to do in June. Right. So, um, and, and July for that matter, it wasn't until August that a few things, you know, would come back up. locally, but. Right. So two things I want to talk about about that. The one thing that I think you did very well, and a few of our, I would say half our clients that we serve, Nino, did this very well. And ironically, it's a big attribute inside your brand, which what a phrase that we use internally together, and that's ceaseless communication, is that we kept communicating, right? So if the, our boy was out there saying there's safety here when this all comes away. But if it's not, oh, that's what you actually brought me. That is awesome. 
ceaseless so communication I did, I did not is know one you. of our core values. <laughs> right. And that core <laughs> value award is my memento to you. And it's for the ceaseless communication because what we're doing here today is just another form of ceaseless communication. Right, right. That's awesome. And so you did that. I, I think you did that very, very, very well. And it's hard to do, very hard to do to keep the momentum internally. But during that time, you also looked for opportunity and you helped some of these restaurants. I think you did, you and, because Roger's heading up services, right? You Correct. did You did a lot of the dividers in restaurants, some brands we know locally, like Cameron Mitchell. Cameron right? Mitchell and Bob Evans. We did a lot of partitions for Cameron Mitchell. We boarded up a lot of, you know, restaurant glass windows, mm -hmm. you know, in the short north area. Um and then you did the new Plexi, are those Plexi dividers at Correct. some of his Hudson, his Hudson properties? Right. Yeah, those look gorgeous. And, you know, they, they, sc they scream to you, it's safe to sit here mm -hmm. at the bar. You know what I mean? Because you get the partition. Right. And another thing we were able to do, because I'm always looking for opportunities, and that's when, primarily because of COVID, another flooring contractor here locally that did residential and commercial mm -hmm. were looking to... Um, eliminate their commercial group and we were able to pick them up in early july right and you're being overly humble here because the team that you picked up locally so first of all i want you to explain to the listeners that though you guys are from etna ohio and you are serving national brands leaders in categories when it comes to flooring and installation and services you hadn't really served columbus ohio those Correct. were where your clients were. We actually started out in, an, in you know, Gehanna. Right. In an old furniture place. That was Rich's very first place. Then we moved to Whitehall. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until 2007 that we relocated out in Aetna just to get a larger facility. Which is a beautiful facility. But... But you Our didn't work do here work. locally is right. Because I would say to people, oh, it's, it's, it's with progressive flooring and services. They, who? And I'd say, well, they do this, 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 and this. Oh, well, we don't know. They don't, we don't do anything the, locally. The only work we did locally was our main brands, you know, with their locations that were here located in Ohio. Right, right. But all those contracts might have gone through, you know, another state or another, another contact. So, so you had the idea, because I know you seeking opportunity, never giving up, as your brand personification form says here. You had the vision to say, even though we're in a pandemic, I'm going to bring in three experts, local experts to the marketplace and grow the brand here where I can control it. Correct. Right? And they already have relationships with contractors, great relationships. So why wouldn't I borrow their expert expertise, add on to Progressive, talk about enhancing environments. You did it concentrically right here in Columbus, Ohio. And has that paid off? Absolutely. I mean... It was an opportunity I could not ignore. I mean, you were looking at an entire team, not just a client manager. It was a client manager, a superintendent, you know, the sales individual, as well as, you know, an installation um, craftsman. So that whole group came aboard with a few projects that they were already finishing up, projects that they had already bid and I mean, so it, it's worked out great and I'm looking forward to it to continue to grow. I mean, it's, it's our intent to now be a flooring contractor in central Ohio and to start getting others to talk about progressive flooring and services. I love it. I love it. 
And how much do you think creating this? So, so I can give the listeners a landscape because you and I are living it every day. But so progressive uh, starts off as progressive flooring. You come in and decide that we need a brand that's a little broader. Talk about our process, what makes us different. And that expands it to progressive flooring and services. Along that time, you also uh, buy a URL and start another company called floormat.com which is still doing well, probably most famous for our heated mats. Correct. Right? And then a pandemic hits and you decide, well, that shouldn't stop opportunity. I think I'll go in and buy really an upper echelon management team of three people that knew the Columbus market. And you began putting that inside Progressive Flooring and Services and building the local brand. Correct. It's just another way of diversifying to increase our survivability, and our ability to grow. And doing that here locally, you know, just made sense. And now you have people that are very familiar with the local market. They have their relationships. So you're getting, you know, a jump start at it as well. I mean, the only negative part was you're in the middle of COVID-19. Right, right, right. And top line revenue has... How would you rate that strategic business move by bringing in these three individuals to help the business, I would say, energize the business from a revenue point of view? How important was that? Well, it was exceedingly important, especially for the bank, financial institutions. So I mean, was just that seeing another revenue stream. But um, it also just allowed us to do other type of projects here locally to be able to share that work that we do in a much easier manner by being able to document it, which is very challenging with the work that we have going on all over the country. Um, you can never really photo that work or, or oh, we know share that. it with others. Well, this will make that much easier. Yes. Um, but it already has. Correct. And plus the, the local team was, uh, a lot more involved in the healthcare, long-term care, senior living market than we were on a national scale. So that brought immediate, you know, experience that was very valuable, will be very valuable as we continue to get more and more involved across the country in that. So tell me, uh, you wrote, so, so the listeners know, we, uh, our team sends out a form called a brand personification sheet. So every guest that's been on the show fills out, there's 15 questions and they are everything from what's your favorite color to your favorite food to, you know, what's your favorite performing artist or, or band. And so everyone that's been on the show fills these out because that's an easy way for us to personify the brand and keep this idea of banding, branding, and business building creatively tied together. And I love it because I get to find out some things about friends and associates that I never would have known. And on your response here about favorite band or music artists, and you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, communicated, you put down the Rolling Stones. And then I said to you, well, if the Rolling Stones define raunch, as mm-hmm. you know, they were just raunchy. And I mean that with a smile on my face, right? You no, write, you write I, Paint It Black and Sympathy for the Devil. There's something going on. They, they seem to sing a lot about taboos. Exactly. Early on. That's why they have a big red tongue. Uh-huh. So seeing that and you working with you as the CEO of Progressive Flooring and Services, it was, it was great to see that. 
And then I asked you about some other bands, and you said ACDC, and then you said The Who. And I said back to you in an email, if The Stones are raunchy and ACDC has energy, and The Who wrote the first rock opera, you know, Townsend has quite the intellect when it comes to mm-hmm. rock and roll. How do you think as a leader or as a brand, when you think of the energy of ACDC, do you see that reflected in any way that you lead the brand, these kind of things? Well, one of our other core values is relentless service. And I think all those bands, especially the Rolling Stones, I mean, how can you argue their endurance and, and service? I mean, I mean, right. that, that's, I, I can only hope we're, you know, as enduring as they are. <laughs> um, I think Keith, I think Keith Richards would appreciate that because, you know, they still get called the world's greatest rock and roll band. And I've heard a couple interviews of Keith's um, where he'll say humbly, well, it depends who you ask or whenever, but everyone always comes back and says, yeah, but you're still here. You're still Mm -hmm. around. So I guess we have to name you that because you're the last man standing at the party. Right. right? But tell us a story. You did this unbelievable description that you wrote back to me (laughs) about the first time you were listening to one of my favorite records of all time genius after Bon Scott died from ACDC back in black. I love the artwork. I had never seen an embossed. I mean, Black Sabbath had done a lot of dark things, but I'd never seen an embossed black on black like that. Mm-hmm. And just the, the mournful, energetic hell's bells. I mean, the whole thing. And back in black itself, right? With right. that big bell, the toll bell. Mm-hmm. But you wrote me a vivid paragraph that you have similar memories of this record. I, I used to listen to that particular album a lot. And my father had refinished half our basement. And part of that was a, a special little nook that he created. This is in the late 70s. Uh-huh. To where he mounted all his stereo equipment in the wall. The wall was covered with brown, dark brown shag carpeting. Because it absorbs sound, right? Well, yes, and then that was just kind of what you're doing in your van or whatever. It just seemed you're putting shag carpeting on everything. <laughs> exactly. Um, but Talk he, about he, flooring. <laughs> so, I mean, he he had a yeah, Sansui 9090 receiver and a yeah. dual turntable and, yeah. you know, Bose 901 speaker. So, I mean, it was awesome. You could just lay there on the couch and, you know, crank it up. And the only thing that I was not to do was to mess around with his reel-to-reel. Right. So you said that in the email, and I'm like, oh, my God. So he had a reel-to-reel. Mm-hmm. Now, what would he listen to on the reel-to-reel? Well, he, mainly he would tape okay. different music, okay. and, on, and then that's what he would play back. And, and mainly it was an early way of doing soundtracks for Halloween party or, right. you know. And that's how he things. did it. Right. Yeah. Our first record that we did in Bearsville Studios was on big reel-to-reel. You know, there was no digital. And it was all, and I wanted to tell you, the board in Bearsville Studios, it's now, it's now closed. It's in upstate New York, near White Plains, New York. And I walk in, and this is a, on our first record, and I was thinking about you when you wrote this back. And we recorded that on the Who's old Neve board that they recorded Who's Next. It was in Bearsville. Wow. So I said, I was all set to make this record, but now I'm totally intimidated. Uh (laughs) I can't record on a board that, you know, was that recorded who's next. No way. So um, it was it it was really neat to hearken back to that when I saw your note. So tell me something else um, that I wanted to ask you about 
as a leader, and I know how much you are always trying to improve and stay ahead, what do you think are some things that have helped you in this entire process, not just in uh, during COVID period, because that's going to be a, obviously an impactful time, but I mean, this whole time since you joined Progressive as a leader, what, what kinds of things, first of all, do you think that ha- have helped you along the way and that helps you keep the team and the culture together? Well, I, I try to remind myself to always share with others as much as possible why we're doing what we're doing. And to make it clear that if we need to change, we will change. But we always need to be on a path that we are trying to accomplish, you know, specific objectives. And the more they understand why, you know, the more participation and and involvement and and the better the results tend to be. Yes. So you learned, as I did... um, I would always say to the to the band, and then when, you know, today, even with the employees and associates, I would say, you know, ideas can come from anywhere. And sometimes the greatest ideas come from the lowest guy or gal on the pay skit. You don't know where they come from. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, I agree with you, to keep that open uh, communication. Do you sometimes feel like that it can get, there's a balance between too much democracy and not enough leadership? and sometimes not in your case, but other leaders can be a bit heavy-handed and not enough voice from the culture around them. How do you find that balance on day-to-day things? I know how many things mm-hmm. you deal with. Well, I, my own experience is what I have found is I usually don't get enough feedback or input. So it's something hmm. that I have to continually bring up and, and try to, you know, get more of. We're still a relatively small company, 50 employees. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then trying to get that feedback in larger groups, people weren't that comfortable. So in a staff meeting, you can't expect to get a lot of feedback, but in smaller groups or meetings with a specific purpose, then you're more likely to get, you know, more feedback, more accurate feedback, you know, asking for, all right, I'm looking for this type of feedback. Think about it. We're going to talk about it tomorrow or later and trying not to some things you want to get on the spot and get the first reaction other things you need more thought involved in it so it just all depends on what what you're looking for and over time have you learned that oh this is something i don't need to share with the the team because it doesn't bring that much value it's a decision that i'll make top line and other things you might feel uncomfortable with and therefore you feel safer sharing it with the team is that true yeah absolutely and you know, now a lot of it has to do with time. There's certain things that I, I would tend to share a lot more to everyone. Now it's more focused and we have a specific management group that talks about just management items. And then it's their job to disseminate that information to others as it is needed. Yeah, that's great. And so during this entire process, at least let's just say the last decade since you and I began working together, what do you think the biggest challenge or the hardest thing for you has been in the whole branding process? I would say just keeping up with it, keeping it fresh, whether it's your differentiators. What I'm ultimately trying to do is create conversation about the company. 
Right. I mean, in our particular industry, it's referral. What we do, they want to hear it from someone else that Progressive does a good job. So At XYZ. Exactly. So the more things that I can do, the more conversation I can create with every touch point with our client, the better. So if they're talking about Progressive, it doesn't matter what our competition's doing. Right, right. And so that's why I know when we were talking about this podcast, the movement we're making, uh, that the brand's making on social, new website is forthcoming, these kinds of things, because we want to be smack dab, as you and I have talked about this, in the middle of that conversation all Mm -hmm. the time. That's great. Now, I always challenge uh, brands that no matter what business they're in, and you know some of the clients we have, Mm no matter what business they're in, ultimately, a portion of that business is entertaining in some way. Accountants, believe me, accountants that we serve can be extremely entertaining. And that knowledge can be entertaining. When we were at a photo shoot with you and the rest of the team, um, one of our associates that we both know who has a very dynamic personality was entertaining, you know, during the shoot. So though some of the subject matters or some of the business may seem dry, Ultimately, I had a great mentor say to me, Brad, in the agency business, they don't get rid of you because of not having results. They get rid of you because they don't think you care anymore. He said, so uh, it's a lot about entertainment and trusting one another. You serve some non-entertainment brands, right? Right. We wouldn't think of a hospital as an entertainment brand. Correct. Right? But getting out of the hospital is a moment of entertainment for me. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yet you serve other brands that are only entertainment. Correct. How do you think your brand and your product, the installation of of flooring materials, how do you think that serves brands in an entertaining way? Well, as we said before, you know, nothing finishes a job like the flooring. So we're kind of like a closing act. Yeah, well said. Well said. You know, they're, they're looking for the flooring contractor to be there. We're the ones that are sneaking in in the middle of the night and out in the morning. Right. So a lot of times, if we do our job right, uh-huh. you don't even know we're there. Right. I mean, you just come into a nice enhanced environment and everyone's happy and, right. and the show is done and we can move on. Right, right. And they can begin their show. Correct. So that's kind of, that, that's that's interesting is, So it's almost like a gift or a celebration. Here, the package is done. It's called your retail space or your hospital space. Because when I was looking at some of the things that you guys did in the hospital there in Lancaster, the amount of detail and the transfer from from one material to the other was unbelievable. And the photographer and I were shooting all day long. And and this funny thing happened, you know, some of the nurses, because we were in some they put us in some deep areas. You know, we were in surgical rooms. It was very, very interesting. And I'm thinking, my God, our team has done every one of these. And it looked absolutely beautiful. And I kept using that word. You know how I, I say beautiful. Romantic, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, you heard about this story. So I, well, I've been around you. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I said to the photographer, Alex, I said, God, that's beautiful. And these nurses are behind me, but they're at their station. And you know, this is a, a clinical hospital floor. And I'll go, oh my God, that's, that's really good. And then I said, well, move closer to the, to, to the, get the wheel of this hospital bed. And I want you to blur out the background, but make sure you pick up that orange color, right? 
And so we're doing this and doing this. The office workers are behind me. I said, what are, what are you guys looking at? Are you watching a video? What are you shooting? I said, this romantic floor. And so she gets out of her seat and she says, there's no way this floor can be romantic. I said, How, what do you want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> and I took Alex's camera, turned it around. I said, what's that? And she goes, oh my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I noticed that, you know, you guys did some flooring even around the uh, exercise equipment of rehabilitation, mm-hmm. right? Which is a positive thing of human lifestyle. Again, bringing joy. Right. Because I'm, I'm recovering. And you uh, also did some work around even the outer ring of a uh, rehabilitation pool. Correct. Inside of there. That was just fabulous. So in wrapping up, what do you think when you think of the future? You know, everybody's got their opinions and I've heard it about how we're coming back, how we're reopening, you know, even coming to the studio today. Protocols mm-hmm. are one way someplace, they're another way, another place. But for your business, in your industry, and the future of the brand, maybe even way beyond flooring, because I know you, I think I know you pretty well. Mm-hmm. You're already thinking of the next five to 10 years. And what do you think that looks like? And are there any opportunities that in general that you think might be a good thing for you and the brand to plug into in the next five to 10 years? Well, I I see the restaurant industry remaining as it is, continuing its marginal growth year over year. The entertainment industry, the movie theaters is what I'm probably most concerned about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still going to be there, but to what degree, how many theaters, what are they going to continue to do? Especially with the online subscription digital. Correct. Competitive fire they have in that area. Right. Second to that would be retail. Is retail going to go more online? Is it going to be more big box specialty? There's some innovative players out there like Best Buy that is creating mini units with brands within their brand, which I think was brilliant. But I think the one that shows the most promise and and growth is going to be the senior living long-term care. I'm the last year of baby boomers. Yeah, me too. I mean, the next 20 years, you're going to see that just continue to grow. So. There is no decline I foresee in that industry, whether it's healthcare, senior living for 20, 40 years. That is why a couple years ago, you know, we already had started making moves to try to get into that industry. That's why when we met this local team that had experience, worked out great because it already, you know, expected some flattening in the theater industry. Anyway, right. so, and we like those type of clients that have multiple multiple sites, multiple prod properties across the country. That's why we have our remote warehouse location so we can support them logistically and, and what kind of sets us apart. And yeah, will you, will, can we talk about that just for sure. one second? Uh, satellite warehousing, mm-hmm. r- remote warehousing. We have those in four locations throughout the U.S., Correct. is that right? Mm-hmm. So what, tell us those cities and, and what their function is for well, those that you guys serve. Columbus, Ocala, Florida, Dallas, Texas, and Los Angeles, California. And that gives us a location closer to that area of the country to where we can stage our owner's materials so they can buy their own materials in bulk and save that money versus me buying the materials and putting a markup on it. I can then take over from there and 
They provide a list of what they want to do, and we can stage materials in one of those four locations. That also gives us the ability to recruit and find labor resources, not just in one market, but in four different markets. And then it allows us to respond and execute projects on a much quicker basis, less duration, so we can get out and do more in less time. Yeah, and I absolutely love that. And if they are a current client of Progressive Flooring and Services, that warehousing, the housing that we're doing, that time and space that we're holding their products, that's free of charge. Correct. We, we, with those type of clients, you're engaged in a lot of replacement, scheduled work. So we're able so why to not establish, be right? Correct. Plus, it allows us to establish set rates. Mm. in those areas of the country. So now they can do their own budgeting in advance or send us a list and we can, you know, budget it out. But there's really no surprises on what's this going to cost. Right, right. That's very interesting. And you and I haven't had time to talk about that, but I I meant to tell you that um, we've engaged with a a client in California that supplies um, thermal packaging to major, major brands to Mm -hmm. keep foods and medicine and perishables. And they are creating what they call proximate manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So why would they have manufacturing in Indiana if XYZ client, they serve big brands, big labs, big retail companies that you would know that are shipping. Why would they do that in Indiana if everybody's buying the product in Los Angeles? Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's the same concept. Right. And... and These warehouses have provided other opportunities, and and you mentioned what did we do during COVID. Another thing that we were able to do is the warehouse out in California that wasn't being utilized for flooring projects. We were able to connect with a small importer, so we were actually providing fulfillment services for cake platters and bar Mm. sets that we would take in as, you know, they would arrive and then they would get shipped out to primarily Amazon Fulfillment Center. So we did that in California. And then in Florida, we were able to engage in some consignment services for Darden restaurants because the company that was doing consignment folded up and all of a sudden Darden had to ship a thousand bar stools and chairs somewhere. I think I was on the phone with you the day you got this note. Yeah. (laughs) I heard a slight distraction on the phone. So that's very, that's very interesting. And I guess my, my last question would be, when you just brought up that, doing fulfillment services, that word services, you have left open. So you can add more things to this enhancing of environments, Correct. like fulfillment. Do you guys see, do you have anything, any categories out there like fulfillment? And I've always thought about this. You and I have just been so busy together, like you know, not direct, but strategic management or helping in strategic management of facilities and facilities upkeep, like an entire program with what that might look like. So that, like you said, we already have that trusted relationship with XYZ, then why Mm -hmm. can't we also stay ahead of it? Correct. So have you, are those, I'm sure those things are in your brain, but anything like that you can share with us that you might do? I tried several years ago to offer services of conducting site surveys and checklists for Mm -hmm. the facility managers, looking at other things in their property since we were already there. You could provide me a checklist. I could create a checklist. I'm there. I'll go through it and then I'll give it to you. And whether I get any work out of it or not, 
you know, you have more feet on the ground trying to accomplish more things. I mean, we, we can't get enough around to enough places just to conduct site surveys. So there's a lot more upfront construction management opportunities, whether you're doing site surveys, you're doing some scoping, you know, procuring materials, things that all happen before you even execute work that we might be able to engage in with, you know, many of our clients. And this idea of, uh, you know, the one thing I wanted to share with you, we've been studying for another brand, a ton of this is agility as a service. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys can be very agile, especially with satellite warehousing and things like that. From an agility standpoint, and the way business is changing now, being agile, I should say, and iterative. And I think your relationship with a lot of your clients are iterative. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need this. So that that idea of agility and then you being closer to them, it might set you up, right, for some kind of future service that maybe you know, we, we might not be able to concrete envision now, but uh, we might uh, six months from now. Correct. You never know what's going to happen. We're, we're engaged now in polishing, grinding concrete, different type oh, that's of right. flooring you services. Told, right. because so we didn't that, do that before? We did not do that. I mean, there wasn't a demand for it before. But there was a local demand right. now. Is we, that what got started, Nino? Correct. Okay. Um, no, we just need to be as open and alert to whatever the needs are, and we have never failed in meeting those needs, just like we have never failed losing a client that we have been engaged with for at least five years. We still have all those clients. And why do you think that is? Once they they realize that you know, there is nothing that we will not do or try to do for them, that no job is too big, too small, that no job is too far away or too close. Why would they want to look anywhere else? Well, great conversation. Appreciate all our years working together. It's been a joy. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me.